This is the Dr. Mike Savilla Podcast, episode 372 for Thursday, November 14, 2019. On this episode, this uh, is a great conversation about uh, medicine and social media and the upcoming 2020 uh, Family Medicine Leadership Meeting coming up in April 2020. It is the AAFP National Conference of Constituency Leaders. You can get more information on afp.org slash leader. But a lot of our conversation is going to be talking about social media and medicine and digital communication and cool things that you can do with social media. So this is not all about family medicine. A lot of it is. But, you know, even if you're not, you know, a physician or you're not a family physician, we have a great conversation about uh, social media, about digital communication, the power of digital communication. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this episode. You can see some video clips on my Facebook page as well. So enjoy this conversation. Crowd waiting. <gasps> oh my God, I think we're live. We are oh, live. Yes, we are live. So uh, shout out to the one person that is watching us right now. Hey, what's up, one person? <laughs> what up, everybody? Hey, so uh, so I'm just going to just get our start and I'm just going to get out of the way. So uh, thank you for joining us. I'm, of course, your friend uh, and colleague, Dr. Mike Spello. Welcome to my Facebook page and uh, leave your comments below. Uh, and we have a great program to share with you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have our panelists introduce themselves, and we will start with Dr. Ramos first. Good evening. Good evening uh, from the East Coast with this polar vortex starting. Um, nice to meet you and see everybody. Thank you for coming on. Um, just a quick bit of information about myself. I am a family doctor that is practicing uh, in a medium-sized city in southern New Hampshire, Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, I currently work in a community health center and still doing a very broad scope family medicine, maternity care from cradle to the end of life, I like to say. Um, and one of my passions is actually to be a physician activist. One of the reasons I became a family doctor was because we needed people who were not afraid to be a voice for those who lack a voice in the community. And so I have been actively engaging in New Hampshire over the last year and a half in particular about social activism, equity in particular, and introducing the concept of equity and what that means in a practical level for my state. And next year in 2020, I will be convening the National Conference of Constituency Leaders, which helps to engage and breed other physician activists within our communities and in our organization as family doctors. Beautiful. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, I will go next. Uh, my name is Natasha. Hello, Facebook Live. Um, and look at my arms because I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. It's in the 80s here today. No polar vortex for us. Got my short sleeves going on. So I'm a family doctor based in Phoenix, Arizona. I work at a place called One Medical. It's kind of an innovative primary care practice. It's the largest independent primary care group in the U.S. 
And in my role, I do part-time patient care and part-time leadership and administration. So I'm the regional medical director for the West Coast. And so I support Phoenix, LA, San Diego, and Seattle. And we are opening in Portland and Orange County. So I travel pretty frequently for my role. Um, I also, similar to Marie, I've got some interests in uh, health equity and social activism. And in particular, one of my biggest passions, and this is how I've used social media, it's having a conversation about innovative primary care delivery models. And when I say that, it's not just about payment reform. You know, we hear these conversations about Medicare for All and the ACA, but really I love to focus on how are patients interfacing with primary care? Is it virtually? Is it with retail health centers? What relationships do they have with their PCPs? So that's my big focus. Um, I also blog for the AAFP. So I'm one of the fresh perspective bloggers for new physicians and then serve on some nonprofit boards. Um, very little time in my life, but I love it. And we can talk a little bit about how we've used social media to kind of leverage all those interests. So awesome. So I am working on some behind the scenes things. I'm having some difficulty getting on the Facebook live page. So I will continue to work on that, but to not have you all bore and get tired and click us off, uh, I will <laughs> shift back to Marie and she will talk to us about the very exciting spring meeting next year for AFP, uh, what your role that it is and uh, why you're so excited about it. So take it away. Yeah. So one of the main reasons we wanted to get together was because there is an amazing conference that actually gave me my first taste of how to be a physician leader. Uh, man, that's almost eight years ago now. Yeah, about eight years ago. Um, and so the National Conference of Constituency Leaders will be uh, celebrating its 30th year of existence within the Academy of Family Physicians. And it's gone through several morphs and morphs of names but the real ethos of the, of the conference is to develop a voice for um, historically underrepresented um, um, physicians within our uh, specialty. And how do we develop their um, abilities to create leadership opportunities? But then also one of the most important things when it comes to organizational medicine and just getting stuff done in policy in, 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 the, in the first place is writing resolutions and writing policy. Um, so 30 years ago, um, a group of physicians, women and minority physicians came together and proposed to develop this conference in order to have a space that is safe and that would allow them to create policies and resolutions that can go and get passed and be debated. You can imagine, just like anything, um, our 130-plus thousand um, constituents represented within the Academy of Family Physicians are very representative of um, the U.S. population in general. And just like any large group, uh, you have voices that are louder, that have more influence, and you have voices that aren't. And so uh, one thing that I really appreciate with the Academy of Family Physicians is that uh, we really support and we help to encourage everybody to have an opinion and to make sure that we have an environment that is safest and best for our patients in the end. 
And that's what NCCL is. NCCL is going to be next year, 2020, April 23rd to the 25th. And there will be a pre-conference on the 22nd. And next year, the to celebrate the 30th anniversary, the theme of the conference will be redefining your narrative. And we all know that coming from historically underrepresented backgrounds, meaning for us, minorities, women, LGBTQ, uh, international medical grads, new physicians, and um, uh, within those five constituencies, that we've kind of developed different ways of presenting ourselves and different cadences in order to kind of get through and to, to, uh, to, to, to create opportunities. And so what we are trying to do for next year's conference is to understand what those systems are that are in place um, that, maybe, that maybe make it difficult, frankly, for us to uh, gain leadership opportunities, but then also understanding that beyond the academy, just by way of who we are and who we represent as physician leaders, that we can embrace our platforms in many different ways. And so I invited Mike and uh, Natasha to uh, actually be on a panel to talk about social media and how we can leverage social media as a platform, as the experts that we are in not only family medicine, but really the foundational roots of what a community is in the first place. Who better can represent that than a family doctor? Well, that is, that is awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, and um, before, before I bring Natasha in, I'll just, you know, share a kind of a little bit of my story. You know, I, 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 I've attended that meeting. It's, it's, it is a family medicine leadership meeting uh, as already been stated. And, uh, you know, I try to go every year and, and you have friendships there that, start and last a very, very long time. And uh, a lot of great stories uh, from that meeting. A lot of um, our family medicine leaders uh, who are on the board and have been past officers uh, have started at that meeting and uh, very excited about it, very excited about it. But I'm also very excited because uh, we're going to be presenting. I mean, thank you, Marie, for for asking us to present on this. And um, just an exclusive type of thing, we're going we're gonna, to – uh, I think me and Natasha, we're just going to have just a, uh, like a meeting on what we're going to present. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a working meeting right now. You guys That's right. <laughs> we, we have some notes. We will want to run by everybody. Uh, no, but we're, we're very excited about it. Yeah. Um, so Natasha, what, what, what's kind of your, I mean, I know you, you know, we both have to share a passion with this, maybe share a yeah. little bit about your passion about social media communication and, and, uh, kind of some of the elements that we want to bring to, uh, to our presentation. Yeah, you know, I think what's happening these days is I think most doctors understand that patients are on social media and social media is one way to reach them. So there's some interesting stats out there. I tweeted one today that 90% of people ages 18 to 24, they actually believe health information and trust health information that they read on social media. And I mean, even more so to the general public, you know, about 40% of people out there they think that the information on social media, it does impact the way they deal with health issues or chronic illnesses or even choose their doctor. And so I think most physicians understand that social media is important, but I truly think what we need to get at 
is how to set your own goals for your social media presence and how you understand who your audience is. And really, when you think about social media, what Mike and I want to help you do is take a step back, um, especially if you're new to it, and you really think about what is your ultimate goal. And for different people, there's different goals. And so, you know, for some people, they really just want to elevate their patient stories. For other people, they want to talk directly to a broad swath of patients and educate them on different topics like fitness or wellness. I think for a lot of us, like Marie included, we use social media for advocacy. And a great story that I think of is the hashtag, this is our lane. Um, I think about a year ago, the NRA tweeted that those self-important doctors need to stay in their lane because they keep pushing for gun control. And it really activated and energized a bunch of doctors who were like, this is our lane. Like, this is what we deal with every day. You know, when we see people who've been impacted by gun violence, when we have to take care of people in the emergency room who are victims. And so what social media did is it just galvanized people and you're able to find other people with this common cause and network with them and, and really take steps to enact real change. So advocacy is really big. But, you know, I know some people, that's not how they want to use social media. For some people, it's really about networking and finding mentorship or sponsorship, which is also a great tactic. For other people, it's really just about like seeing interesting articles posted and reading those and kind of keeping up to date with different literature or just engaging in medical topics. Um, What I've been really pleased to see in social media is how I've been able to interact with specialists because I think, you know, I'm, I'm from this primary care family medicine world. And especially when we talk about things like screening tests, we're able to say, you know, here's why certain guidelines have been developed. And then you hear the opinion of, you know, perhaps a urologist and they weigh in and you can actually have a very reasonable, clear, nuanced discourse on social media. But I think no matter what your goal is, um, really what we want to get to during our talk with Mike and I is this clear intention for let's take your goal of social media And let's make your social media presence an actual coherent brand. And so in our talk, I think we'll focus a little bit with people who are not on social media, but I think our talk is more 2.0, just getting to the next level and really helping people find meaningful ways to engage in social media. And I'll share just a little bit about my stories. And so, you know, social media for me, it's really interesting because I'm somebody who I think of myself as a private person. Like I don't go out there and like take pictures of what I eat and share my food and whatnot, but I have found that social media actually enhances my career. It leads to more career opportunities. I was invited to blog with the AAFP because of social media. I've been invited to be on um, other media platforms. So I do a video series with Buzzfeed. Um, I do segments with the local news station and all of that came from social media. I was actually nominated for a board of directors by somebody on social media. They reached out to me and they were like, I see what you're saying. I like what you're writing. I think you'd be great for the board of directors. And so I think the opportunities that it's led to and the engagement it's led to, it's kind of forced me to kind of come out of my shell and just be a little bit more open and vulnerable and real. Because the number one thing that people are looking for is they're looking for real, genuine people. And so I think Mike and I will kind of have a conversation about that at NCCL. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Marie, go ahead and jump in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just have so many good things. I couldn't hold my tongue anymore. So, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's so it's so important. You know, one of the things that 
I love about NCCL is that it's really an opportunity for us to to take our, not only our careers, but take our voice to the next level. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, somebody, one of my mentors told me a long time ago that regardless of whether I see it or believe it, my presence is of one of leadership. And when, when we walk into the room as physicians, we, there's, there's a, there's a different, there's a different air that, that yeah. happens. And we can either embrace that and leverage that, or we can let those opportunities pass by. And it doesn't just have to be for us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's very helpful for my patients. I, I remember how many of us, you know, when we go to do our our leadership activities or if we're leaving to do a conference or traveling for work and then we come back and our patients say, well, how was your vacation, you know? Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I have several patients that actually follow me on social media and they're like, oh man, Dr. Rama's like, yeah, you were, you were talking about a presidential, you know, a possible presidential candidate. And you were talking about issues that were important to me or, you know, um, watching my, my CrossFit, you know, videos and <laughs> watching me practice what I preach. Right. So I think definitely on the broader level, uh, how we can advance our own practice, our own CV per se. But then I think it also helps on a local level, too, that we can be human and it humanizes the practice of medicine. Um, and there's so much power in that now because there's so many people that are just, you know, we're blinded by perfection, right, on social media too. So I'm so excited you guys are going to talk about this. I, I'm still stuck on the CrossFit. Like I, I watch that and and I get tired just by uh, and, and people can see that, Marie. So, so you, uh, you post that to your Facebook and your Instagram or can, where can people find that? So um, I have a Facebook page, uh, just Marie Ramos, MD. And then my Instagram is at DRM Ramos. Uh, and my Twitter handle is at Doc Ramos with an A. Cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I want to, uh, think uh, there's some people starting to filter in because I finally got all the technical stuff, uh, maybe going a little bit. And I know there are some people who message me on, on, on Twitter, uh, and other capacities cause I'm everywhere. Uh, and there's, there are like non-physicians who are kind of joining our conversation. So we want to welcome everybody, uh, to that. So, uh, maybe tell your comments that way, but I, I I'll just chime in here a little bit. So yeah, so our, our talk, um, you know, social media, in medicine or, you know, um, is definitely not going to be why we should do it because I've been talking about that for a long time and I'm done talking about it because everybody knows that they should do it. So now we, you know, there, there are ways and Natasha talked about goals and one of the great things about this conference, and you can probably relate that too, from where you're sitting or listening or, or watching this, you know, is advocacy. There, there is stuff that you out there, you, are passionate about uh and you know this this great tool is, is social media can help you amplify that voice it can help network you with other people who feel passionate about what you're passionate about help to amplify your message or even to network with other people who you've never networked with before uh about this and and that that's going to be a lot of things that we've been talking about that's the things that that all of us have been talking about in our own uh 
you know, kind of professional circles. But now, uh, now that we're having people kind of uh, pop in here, welcome everybody who are uh, who are popping in here. Don't worry. I'm saving this great conversation. I'm going to be posting it out on my Facebook page soon. So don't worry that you missed anything. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're going to be taking your social media skills to the next level at our talk. Um, and we're hoping, because it's going to be uh, in April, we're hoping that maybe we can have more of this conversation as as our conference gets closer. Uh, wild and crazy dreams of maybe having other people come in, chime in maybe even on video or maybe even on Twitter or maybe even in chat or something like that. So, so all very excited about, about this. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, Natasha, what, uh, what, what other thoughts have you? Uh, yeah. Well, we talked a little bit about this. One thing I also want to explore during our talk is, you know, engaging with our audience, but let's explore fleet some fears because I know that there are some legitimate fears of being on social media or being involved and let's talk about the hater aids, the haters on social media. Uh, we think that this could be its own Facebook Live, but for a lot of people who engage in social media, you are going to encounter trolls. So you're going to encounter people who disagree with your narrative for one trolls? reason or another. What trolls? are those? What are those? They have hair and it's like really spiked. Yeah. It, it's interesting because even for me, you know, I realized at some point there's this great quote where you take criticism seriously, but not personally. And when I got on social media, I had people leaving comments and saying, your voice is annoying, you upspeak, you talk like a valley girl. Um, I even I had some videos where someone was like, comb your hair because it's kind of frizzy. So you're just gonna get that. And it's really about how do you filter out those voices and really listen to the voices that are genuine voices and legitimate and people who want to engage in legitimate discussions and conversation. So I think that's, it's an important point. I also think that you know that you've made it when you've got trolls and when you've got those haters. And so now we welcome them with open arms. And I'm sure you guys have similar experiences. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, I've learned to embrace, I, I, I was very hesitant to be honest, to get on social media as far as a means to help to help just push a certain narrative and to help, you know, give some of my expertise just because of that. Um, I did it. I was afraid that I would either turn people off um, in my social circles for the things and opinions that I may have. Um, and two, you know, what's going to come back to me. Right. So, but I think one thing that has been super empowering is that, through this process, I've, I've been more comfortable in my own skin. I've been more comfortable with what I stand for. Um, and I've been more comfortable in engaging in those kind of conversations and also discerning, right? Just like you said, not everybody that you encounter, whether it's on social media or live, is for you, right? Um, some people are just born to breed drama and the nice thing about social media is that you have the opportunity to engage or to disengage or to block, right? I mean, if, if that's the case. And so how do we, again, empower ourselves, but then also empower um, a particular platform, right? Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I'm, I'm learning as well and that I'm starting to appreciate is that, you know, our, our culture is getting younger and whether or not I feel comfortable 
uh, with using social media platforms, my patients, this is their go-to. And so if I want to do best for my patients, I need to be savvy um, in using the things that they use on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do want to also highlight, there are tools for physicians. So AMA, AAFP, other medical specialty societies, they do have guidelines, policies, best practices around the use of social media. So there is some guidance for us. And I also want to be discerning in the sense of who are good faith actors? Because there are people who will absolutely disagree with you from a genuine place and they want to learn and they'll ask questions and they're good faith actors. And then there's people out there who just, they're there to stir up drama and they don't want to learn. They don't want to listen. And you have to be able to discern who those folks are. Uh, We have a question. Do you believe that? We have a question in the chat. So uh, these are the people who were messaging me on Twitter, which is awesome because this shows they're engaged. So thank you for your question. So I will throw this out there. Um, Are your respective organizations supportive of your social media activity and or activism? Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to say AFP because we know that. But I think what they're getting to is the people that you work for. Um, and if you feel comfortable sharing comments, then go ahead and, and do that. So either one of you want to jump in. I think, you know, to me, this is actually a huge topic. And the reason why is we know more and more family physicians are employed. And, you know, I think the stat is that 70% of new family physicians are going into employed practices. And so I do think, I mean, I will say personally, my organization is very supportive and it's because really the things that I'm advocating for are the things that we believe in at our organization as well, you know, in terms of like making sure that prep is accessible for our patients and et cetera. But I think it is important to know where does your organization stand? What are they comfortable with? And do they want you on your social media platforms linking your name to their organization? Because the reality is, even if you don't include the name of your organization that you work for, patients will still make that connection. And so I think it is important to have a candid conversation with your organizations. I think as social media gets bigger and larger, most healthcare organizations, they get it. They get that doctors have a voice and they understand it's actually, it's actually quite beneficial to them. Now, but before you jump in, let me ask a follow-up. So Natasha, does your specific organization that you work for have a social media policy um, for its employees? They do. Yes. We have a social media policy. It's, it's pretty general, right? So it's, you don't share patient information, no, you know, HIPAA. I think it's things that are just kind of common sense, but they don't say you can't post about the elections or, you know, you can't post about these topics are off limits. I mean, it's, it's pretty open to use our best judgment. Yeah. somewhere I know you're going to jump in. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so on a different spin, I think, um, well, if there's an organization that disagrees so much so that it could affect your level of employment, that's probably not the place that you want to be in. That's a sign of um, a controlling relationship. Um, so, but, but honestly, for, from my perspective, um, I know that there are definitely clauses as far as intellectual property is concerned when we're signing contracts. And so some organizations may consider your social media content and the engagements that you have outside of the work that may be related um, as their property, right? If you don't 
um, specify and qualify that in contracts. Um, so um, just be mindful of that. Um, personally, again, I work in a federally qualified health center setting. Uh, I think justice is the foundation of most communities' health centers and what they were developed on. Um, so, you know, having equality and equitable access for health care um, is essential uh, for the, the livelihood of a federally qualified health center. Um, but um, I think that in my, in my line of work, my, my current employer um, has not yet had any concerns about what, what I've done. If anything, uh, it helps to promote the name of the organization. Um, so, you know, um, I work at, I, I am a guest on a local radio show and have done uh, work for the medical society and have um, engaged on uh, different board of directorships and all of that, just like Natasha said, um, is in alignment and is reflective of the organization that I work with. Um, so I think if anything, the more presence there, is, there are, um, the more people will get word of you. Um, I definitely have had patients come to our clinic specifically because they saw something on social media regarding to me um, and have asked specifically for that. And I've noticed, and this might just be a coincidence, but over the last year that I've been more present, um, I have also noticed that there's been an uptick in hits on, on our Facebook page and on, on our websites and inquiries. So, you know, I definitely think it's it's more positive than negative, but it's something that you should discuss with with your friends. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is making sure that it's clear that your beliefs are not the beliefs of your employer or the endorsements of your employer. I think people will write like "views my own," and and it seems like such a trite thing to write, but really, like if you say like "I really support," you know, House Bill twenty nine. I'm sure most people know that that doesn't mean your organization supports it. It doesn't mean that even AAFP supports it, right? It's really just your own belief. But I think making sure that that distinction is clear. Uh, awesome. Awesome. So let's see here. So um, I'm going to ask one more question, uh, which is kind of related to what the topic that we've been talking about. And I think Natasha has kind of touched on it a little bit. So, so when you identify yourself on social media, and I'll have Marie go first. Um, so how do you determine if you're going to identify yourself as Marie Ramos MD period versus Dr. Marie Ramos working at somewhere else? Is there, is there kind of some kind of, uh, you know, calculation in your mind on how you identify yourself when you're on social media? I think that's interesting. Um, I have chosen personally to let let my narrative be the same, regardless of if I am wearing the hat of my employer or not. Um, and if I'm again, if I'm in a place that doesn't respect that, I probably don't need to be there. Um, so I think the 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 the, the content. Um, that I put out, though, there are specific threads of commonality uh, within the content on my Marie Ramos MD um, sites. And so whether that's related to what I'm doing on, on a particular workday um, or something that I'm experiencing personally, I think the thread isn't necessarily where I'm working or where I am. It's more so the subject matter um, that's more important to me. 
Um, where I need, to, where I am careful though, is with political viewpoints, and uh, because again, from a fairly qualified health center setting, um, we have to be apolitical when it comes to that. Um, but otherwise, I, I really try not to make too many separations. And I think from what my mentors have said, and you guys can definitely tell me, um, that there's very when you look at it at, at, with the broad scheme of things, it's it's really negligible as far as how to separate it anyways. Um, I'd love to hear your opinions though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so for mine, very, very similar to yours. It's kind of interesting. I don't have my employer on there. I don't have family position at one medical, um, but you can easily Google it and find it. Right. And so it's one of those things where I feel like it's negligible. I think the decision I made is I do put blogger at AAFP. I do have board of directors at Planned Parenthood. And so I think the distinction I have made is if I am paid and receive funding from you, I just didn't put you in my bio. And I think that to me feels like it just removes some level of conflict of interest. It's like a thing I did in my own head where I'm like, I don't get paid by the AFP or this nonprofit board. And, um, you know, even I'm, I'm faculty. And, you know, so I think it's just, that's the distinction I made, but everybody has to decide their own path. Cause I have uh, colleagues that I work with who are doctors as well. And, you know, NPs, PAs, and they have our employer on there and all of us have kind of taken a different position. Uh, yeah. So, so my personal opinion on this is, is uh, the person, it doesn't even have to be a physician like you, you as a person, um, what is your comfort level being out there or don't care uh, so you can put these layers of titles between you and, um, you know, and the whole internet to get trolled and all that stuff. Um, so I, I, I've been doing this long enough that, that like, I don't really care. <laughs> uh, so I just put me and then if I have other titles, that's for me personally, that's an afterthought. That is a, a choice that I have made. Um, we can do a whole nother Facebook live on building your brand as a person. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to go too much deep into that right now. We can save that definitely for another Facebook live. Uh, but that, that's something that I have chosen to do, but everybody, you know, I guess the common theme of this program, this episode uh, is kind of your comfort level, your comfort level on being out there, your comfort level on being a, potentially exposed to criticism, how you feel about that. That's a whole, that's a whole different thing. Uh, let's see, we have another question. So this will be the last question for this episode because we don't want to have bore everybody. Uh, and we should, we're going to have more content. We're going to have more content soon. So uh, here's a question and I'll just throw it out to either one of you. Uh, how do you think your gender, race, ethnicity impacts how you are received and embraced uh, or not as a physician on social media. Wow. I, I have to think about that one. That's a big one. Oh, <laughs> That's I a love big that one. question. Yes. Um, I, I will say that it does impact how you're received or embraced. Absolutely. I mean, not just with me, but I, I do see uh, how other women are treated on social media. And, you know, the criticisms I've received, I shared with you guys earlier, people comment on what I'm wearing. They comment on the frizziness of my hair. They comment of the tone of my voice, the upspeak, how I talk. Um, I don't see all those same criticisms happening for people who aren't females, right? And so absolutely, I think it plays a role in so many deep and nuanced ways that 
you know, you have the whole thing of people will sometimes subtweet you and you're an expert in the area and they will just chime in and act like an expert. I see that all the time. Like there are so many people who have PhDs and MDs at the top of their field. And then some rando shows up and they're like, but what am I on this? Like, look at my opinion. And it's like, oh, okay. I guess social media is the great equalizer because all of our opinions are just out there. Um, but absolutely there, there is a difference depending on how you appear. I think this is also why I wanted to bring this topic up at the National Conference of Constituency Leaders, because obviously, and maybe not so much for some of our listeners, but throughout our history in America in general, there are undertones of what the standard is. And when you think of a doctor, um, just because we're, we're amongst physicians on this panel here, when you think of a doctor, there's a, there's a picture that comes into your mind. Um, and that picture carries with you throughout your experience as a training physician, as a medical student, as a practicing physician, wherever you are. And so having that understanding and understanding the context that we're living in, and then again, leveraging that and then using and flipping it on uh, flipping the script completely, um, that's a way to empower um, a potentially disempowering experience. And so for that reason, you know, I put MD on my, on my tags, you know, there is doctor, you know, Doc Ramos and, um, you know, my name has an MD on there because, you know, I, there was a point in time when I was, I was shy about expressing my level of knowledge so as not to make other people uncomfortable. And like I said before, you know, we can use social media as a way to empower and being representative on a social platform, Instagram, whatever you want to use, can actually help to combat some of those narratives and some of those, um, some of those pictures and undertones that we've been experiencing on a routine basis. And I will share a really quick story, a story that I'm really proud of. It's kind of like a brag, but, you know, in my practice, um, in the, entire, in the entire city of Phoenix, my panel grew the fastest and grew the largest. And it was really interesting because I don't think that was an accident. There was literally people who were like, I want to see you because you're a woman of color. I want to see you because you're young. I want to see you because, you know, you share an advocacy for patients who are transgender. And so it's interesting because for whatever criticisms we get for how we appear, who we are, I think it's also extremely very powerful in medicine. And I think for patients they want to see more doctors like us. And I really always say like, that was not an accident that the panel grew so fast. Like patients need people like us. And I know, I don't know if that sounds egotistical, but I truly believe it. Mm -hmm. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so as uh, I'm going to have both of you kind of uh, formulate some closing thoughts. So it's, it's, it's hard to believe that um, our time has gone so quickly. And I want to thank everybody for hanging with us the technical difficulties, uh, but don't worry, I will repost a lot of this on my Facebook page uh, and on my website. But uh, before I let both of you go, uh, we'll start with Marie and uh, you know talk a little bit about you know next year's uh, conference and uh, excitement. And let me see, I just did a quick calculation. The Google told me it is 161 days away. So uh, so tell us about the conference and uh, why everybody out there should go. 
Oh, I think you're on mute. I know you just dropped some pearls of wisdom that we missed. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to drop it again. Um, so for, for family physicians that may be listening right now and may not have considered to come to this leadership conference, um, this is one of those leadership, these are one of those conferences that I look forward to going to every year. This is my summer camp experience where you can be around people that are energetic, that are forward thinking that want to make a difference and you have the tools to do that in a very real way. And, uh, and I, I just love it. And it's going to be that much more special because it's the 30th anniversary and we're going to take and respect where we've been as an organization. And really I want next year to be a, a catapulting energy to see where the Academy is going to go. Um, so you who come are part of momentum and, and a movement. And I believe that I really do for those who are not physicians. I'm so happy that you were uh, able to listen to really, this, this is like, this is, this is what medicine is all about. You know, Th this is where change begins. Um, and I am just honored to be part of a group of people that care. Um, and so I'm very, very excited. I'm very excited to help other people who are already leaders really discover what kind of leader they are and start to develop that. So that'll be next year, April 23rd to 25th. You can go to aaf.org and look up NCCL uh, 2020 and you can register. Every chapter uh, has enough funding to send a new physician who's within their first seven years of practice, um, expenses paid, and um, you can bring up to 10 people if you really want to uh, come to the conference. And I am looking for every state in the United States and the U.S. territories to be part of this conference next year because it's that that is that bond. It's that good. <laughs> um, and um, if people want to connect with you personally, Dr. Marie Ramos, awesome MD, where, where can people find all your great stuff, especially your CrossFit? <laughs> I'm going to have to post some more, but my Instagram is uh, at drmramas, R-A-M-A-S. So at Dr. M. Ramas. And my Twitter is at Doc Ramas, D-O-C-R-A-M-A-S. And uh, I would love to hear from you. Cool, cool. And Natasha, what, uh, any, other, uh, any other things you want to tease as far as maybe for a future Facebook Live yeah. or stuff that we're going to talk about and you know, where people can find you on the internet? Absolutely. So, you know, I... It's funny, there is really something for everyone on social media. You know, being on social media, it's exposed me to these conversations from direct primary care to health equity, to how your healthcare data is being used, to activism. And, you know, I've gone on social media and I've seen people whose lived experiences were very similar to mine. And I've also seen people who were very, very different. And I've learned from both of those groups of people and I will continue to learn. And I want people to remember that we are in a time of change and we're in a time of progress and let's all be part of that. And so let's, you know, engage in social media with me. I think my best, the best place to engage is on Twitter. My handle is just at my full name. So it's at N-A-T-A-S-H-A 
B-H-U-Y-A-N. Um, I'm happy to have a conversation. And thank you so much, Mike, for hosting this. Cool. Yeah, this this will be one of many, uh, hopefully that we can match up all of our busy schedules. Uh, so, but yeah, th- thanks. Uh, thanks to my guests. Thanks to everybody who tuning in. Thanks for uh, hanging with us through the technical difficulties. Uh, but yeah, I will, I will post pieces of this uh, on my Facebook page. Um, and uh, it's Dr. Mike Sevilla and you can find all my stuff, drmikesevilla.com. Uh, you'll find my Twitter and Instagram and all that, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so yeah, it's, it's fun being live. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us live and interacting and, and uh, joining us. Um, and I think that's it for now. So, so just stay tuned, stay tuned to the Twitter. That's probably going to be the best way that we can uh, yeah. uh, schedule and let people know when we're going to be coming back live. So, uh, so thanks everybody. So thanks everybody for joining us. Bye. Thank you guys. See you online. Bye.